Welcome to Curated Conversations, a podcast discussing issues related to equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. I'm your host, Shaliza Jamal, founder of Curated Leadership, an organization that fosters partnerships with leadership teams, employees, and individuals to develop their knowledge in the areas of equity, diversity, and inclusion to build inclusive communities. I'm so excited to be here today with Jyoti Saldana, who is an award-winning transformational wellness coach, a community wellness facilitator, an artist educator, and cycle breaker. She founded Jyoti Creative Wellness Inc. in 2016 and launched a women's only wellness space called Her Space in 2019. Jyoti, along with her partner of 28 years, has two teenagers and is entering into an elder cycle in her life after menopause. Jyoti continues to expand within her healing and reclamation process and holds sacred space for others to journey through their own processes. Through a decolonial, culturally responsive approach to healing and wellness, Jyoti's practice centers the voices and stories of racialized folks and honors ancient healing practices. Jyothi offers a magical blend of spirituality, creative process, neuroscience, and intuitive healing practices within the corporate, community, women, and personal individual spaces. Welcome Jyothi. It's so nice to sit down with you virtually. I know that we had the chance to meet briefly in person once last year, but it is so lovely to see your beautiful face again. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you, Shaliza. Thank you for having me on here. Um, I'm doing well, you know, we're rolling with life's challenges, ups and downs. I think it's a time of uh, a little bit of uh, a roller coaster ride right now with what's going on in the world and just that's the healing process, you know? <laughs> so yeah, just rolling with it. Yeah. <laughs> that's why the work you do is so important. And I know I've had personal experience and we'll talk about that for sure. But I was hoping that you could tell folks what is Jyoti Creative Wellness? What is it about? And also what does it mean to be a transformational wellness coach? Mm, thank you. Uh, well, I, I started Jyoti Creative Wellness after quite a long time of being an artist educator. I've been working you know, with contracts with schools, with non-for-profits and community organizations for, for over 10 years now. And just noticing this, um, this holistic approach to wellness within the classroom, but also noticing that our educators need support, our parents need support, the community. And so um, I just wanted to look at the whole picture and that's where Jyoti Creative Wellness came into play because I believe that we're all, you know, all of our wellness is connected and it's important to look at all the moving parts and not just, you know, support the kids in the classroom, the children in the classroom, which is, which is very important, but support all those that are supporting them. So that's where Jyothi Creative Wellness was born. Um, and uh, being a transformation, transformational wellness coach, it's a loaded question because I really believe it's a journey. It's about um, really becoming more aware of who we are and what we're, how we're showing up within relationships, within work, uh, within the world, within our community, and, and slowing it down just enough that I can call on folks to notice how they show up, um, perhaps notice some of the um, subconscious or unconscious 
uh, programmings that show up in our behavior, our thoughts and our behaviors. Support unraveling. I love the word unraveling because I just feel like there's there's a lot of sort of complicated enmeshment and like this. I, I always liken it to like a ball of yarn where who we are is in the middle, but it's sort of like the wires start to get crossed as to how we show up in the world because of our subconscious programming. So the unraveling process, the falling apart, the coming to terms with some of the pain that we've been through and, and just going, moving through what it looks like to heal some of that deeper trauma. And then, you know, then the becoming process. So what does it look like now underneath those layers um, that we've uncovered um, to really see our true essence at the heart of who we are, because a lot of us are walking around identifying and holding on and even wearing our trauma like it's like it it defines us. So transformational wellness for me anyway um, allows folks the the opportunity to take off those layers and start to uncover who they are. So it's a really beautiful process of becoming. It is, and I love that word unraveling. And I'm curious, as a fellow artist, I'm a theater artist, and I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about how you bring art to that, uh, to that yes. work of wellness coaching. Yeah, well, I'm an artist at heart. I'm a creative, and a lot of my own process in healing involved visual, the visual arts process, the visual arts. Um, you know, painting, using color, using color theory, using form, using movement, using multimedia to um, express our emotions. So our emotions can have color, can have form, can can be visually expressed. And a, and a lot of times, you know, folks can't quite put the language or the words to what they are feeling, especially when they're intense emotions. So we go through creative process to sort of move through the emotional process and then find our words, find our voice, tell our story visually. Sometimes, or actually most of the time, I also ask folks to reimagine their story, change the narrative. What would it look like if you were to dot, 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 or if you were to have what it is you need? If you were to receive, if you were to have everything, what would that look like? So there's a creative um, visualization there that we can go through. So I think creative process, whether it's dance, theater, performance, writing, visual arts, is a beautiful conduit and a beautiful outlet for expression, especially when we don't have the words. Absolutely. That resonates with me a lot because the stage was definitely where I expressed myself. I could be any character, you know, growing up as a, a brown girl doing theater. Uh, I could be all these different characters because I didn't see myself represented on the stage or in film or TV like perhaps uh, there is representation, some of it now. So I think it was exciting to be those different characters and express myself and things I was going through. So that really resonates with me. And you created her space. Uh, I'm really fond of her space, and it's for self-identifying women to come together in community and healing. Can you tell me a little bit about what motivated you to create her space? Uh, what it's all about, and how it's grown today. Mm, thank you. Her space is a very special. It's like a child for me. It's baby. I took a sacred leadership process in 2017 with Anania Iodele and was exposed to this 
healthy, beautiful, loving, and tender space where women held me as I unraveled and as I became and as I stepped into my essence. And it was a new space for me. I didn't know that that existed until that time. And what that did was planted a seed uh, or fanned the embers within me for this yearning for women's space, women's wellness space. So her space I often think of as a a sacred leadership training 2.0. It's a gentle and soft space for women to land, for women to come to, to, um, to journey through their wellness. And what, at whatever uh, phase they're at, at whatever, whatever um, space they're at, because it's very important that we meet women where they're at. Not everyone's at the same part of their journey in healing or wellness. Some are just starting, some are deep into it, and some are on the other side of it. So her space meets women where they're at. And it exposes women uh, to this idea of exploring new ways of wellness. You know, we, we've really been conditioned to believe that therapy and not, I'm not knocking therapy. I think I'm, I have a therapist myself. So I think it's really important that we seek out what works for us in terms of holding space for our healing and our, and our wellness. Um, her space brings ancient healing practices back to the space. And when I say ancient healing practices, it's like reclaiming um, reclaiming what is in our lineage. So I have beautiful African indigenous um, practices from African indigenous women. I have indigenous practices that are being delivered by indigenous women. I have South Asian practices delivered by South Asian women. So it's really important that we see ourselves reclaiming we see women in in leadership and we see women um, leading the space, holding the space within ancient practices that we are connected to so deeply within our lineage. And it allows us to not only see ourselves, but to reclaim and to, to come back home in a sense, to come back home to something that we know deep inside us, an inner knowing. And so... The reason, and that part of the reason was because I took this this training and it ignited something within me, a yearning, a calling. Um, another reason too, there's two other reasons. The other, one other reason is um, I live in Durham region and I was, you know, my healing is very important. My, my wellness practice is very important. So I was going to yoga, I was doing, I was attending healing circles and I noticed that I was the only brown woman in the circle um, quite often, more often than not. And then it started to make me feel a little bit more isolated, a little bit more alone in my journey. Layers of my journey were not being addressed or even there was no interest in knowing, you know, what's it like, you know, coming from where you come from? What was it like growing up where you grew up? You know, family dynamics, culture. There were so many layers that were missed in those spaces and weren't even being addressed or or, uh, uh, acknowledged. Um, and I was just feeling more alone. And I thought that's probably not good for my wellness, <laughs> you know, to go in doing a yoga practice, seeing, you know, seeing someone say the words that doesn't represent my my people and and just sort of co-opting the space and, and selling it back to me at high price. I just felt something just was disconnected in that. And um, so that really was a motivation as well. And then as I did, as I continued within my own healing practice um, and my story, my birth story was surrounded by women. I was born in a home for unwed mothers and my mom 
was so beautifully nurtured and held and taken care of, very lovingly taken care of by the women in that space. Um, so many, so many gathered to, around my birth and to make it happen in a healthy, healthy way. Like my mom had to be, um, my cousins and some of her friends like broke her out of her home because she was locked up, you know, being pregnant as an, as a woman, um, who's unwed back in, you know, back in, in that day was, and even now is really sort of scorned upon. And it's like, a, it's not, it's not a good, it's like, it brings a shame to the family. So she was, she was hidden away for her pregnancy. And when she left the house, you know, she broke out, they broke her out, she ran away and went to this place where she was just so lovingly received and had all of these women sort of rally around my birth, rally around um, her and the support she needed at the time. She was in her last year of university. The nuns brought the books. She finished. She was able to, there were just so many women that, that transpired for this to happen. And I know my ancestors were there. And so I just thought, wow, when women gather, what powerful, how powerful it can be when we gather um, in a loving and nurturing and healthy way. And that is at the essence of what her space is about. Thank you for sharing that beautiful story. I don't think I've heard it uh, to such an extent before. And it's really beautiful. And it really resonates with me, you know, this idea of community and wanting to find a sense of belonging. And, you know, when you talked about being the only brown woman at those yoga classes or in circles and spaces, I definitely felt that growing up and was always seeking a sense of belonging as, you know, a South Asian woman who is from the East African diaspora and having sort of hyphenated, if you will, identities. I definitely understand that. And this idea and it feels like I can feel it as if your ancestors were always within you and it's about unleashing them and about calling them in to practice. Uh, that's something that I think I struggle with because in this Western world, we're taught to, uh, you know, believe certain things. We're taught to follow certain, uh, you know, frameworks for, you know, going to school and getting a job and productivity, that it's so easy to distract ourselves from some of those ancestral ways of knowing. And I wonder if you can speak a little bit about that and maybe even share, I, I mean, I've seen an extensive calendar and I've seen events and been to a few of your events, but what are some of the offerings at her space and, and how do we kind of uh, get back to those ancestral ways through those uh, activities and practices that you offer. Mm. Well, her space is is um, we're we're excited to bring a, a more of a hybrid model to the space now that we can see each other. We're really excited about that interpersonal connection. I think it's very important um, that we we gather in circle in person. So there's a little bit of both virtual and in person sessions at her space. Um, we have, you know, we have so many different offerings. We have offerings from sort of sensuality and sexual healing around self-pleasure and joy and feeling the sense of relief as women, as racialized women, especially because we've been put in a box to believe that we have to produce and create and do and do and do to prove our worth. Um, we have Carrie Goring, who's going to be bringing us back into our bodies and seeing pleasure as worthiness 
um, rest as worthiness, joy as worthiness, and understanding how valuable that is for our our, our, our wellness. Um, so that's one of the offerings, which is going to be really interesting because we're going to be doing a virtual self-pleasure practice series um, where cameras are turned off, video uh, and sound, everything's turned off, but Carrie's just going to very gently um, talk to us about reconnecting to our body in a way that's, that's honoring, right? And that's yeah, just honoring our bodies and, and getting to know our bodies. And again, you know, reconnecting. I love that you said, you know, we've been so far removed from this idea of who we are and where we come from. So reconnecting. The only way we can reconnect is if we actually are guided and, and shown the way. Sometimes we just, where do I begin, you know? So a lot of our facilitators just help to guide, guide us back to ourselves in a way. We also have Sophia Lark from from the states, who's going to be she's a she's a mother wound recovery coach. So this idea of healing the mother wound, but what does recovery look like? So what is the other side of it? Like we are empowered now to change things up. This is what cycle breaking looks like. It's uh you know yes we could talk about the trauma, we could talk about the pain of the mother wound, and what that is is you know, our relationship to our moms and how it began, how it continues, perhaps for some of us, we can also look at the other side of the coin and, and empower ourselves with what is it going to, well, how do we want to do things differently now? What is it, what does recovery look like? You know, and, and that to me is, is a new approach. It's not sitting in it. It's let's, let's look at how we move. Let's look at how we move from this wound how we tend to the wound and move from this wound, strengthen that space within us. Um, so we can be great moms. So we can do things differently as parents. So that's another offering that's coming up. Um, we have some in-person circles, just a, a beautiful garden party that we're gonna have. And it's, it's chai and chill. We're gonna get uh, get together to, to, send, to, to start the summer in a way where we can be feel connected um, and just celebrate right? Celebrate ourselves, celebrate sisterhood, celebrate community. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's a few, few offerings there. I'm, I'm going to be leading a vision boarding uh, session in May. And that's actually our second session. We had one in March and, you know, I've been uh, doing the envisioning process since my dad passed 11 years ago. And it's really important that um, I share how, how, powerful this manifestation tool is to envision what we want to to put it onto a board to really get clear about what it is we desire and deserve and have it somewhere where we can see it every single day to remind us what our what our mission is in this year um and i and i've borrowed again from my teachings from ananya ayodele and from michael beckwith who um, who has coined the word visioning, envisioning process, vision boarding. And so I really um, pay homage to them and, and my teachers, you know, they, they taught me uh, these, these beautiful tools. They imparted these tools. So yeah, there's a lot of things to look at. We ha also just have hangouts, you know, um, it's virtual hangouts where all women are welcome to just come in, hang out, meet other women, make some new connections, um, very casual, un, uh, unstructured space. It is virtual once a month. We have that. And then I do my once a month um, 
uh, meditation and sharing circles. So it's a community meditation. I started that when COVID began uh, because I immediately felt disconnected from community when lockdown happened. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, I'm probably not the only one because it was so sudden. It was so like, we were cut off from, from the world it felt like. And so I said, okay, like I just felt called as a community member to gather, to, to create space for us to at least see each other on screen. Um, and that's been going strong since the start of 2020. And that happens the first Thursday of each month. And I just think that it's important to, to stay connected. It's a quick guided meditation from me and we share and it's, it's one hour. And it, I feel like it's, uh, it's, it's been going strong. Folks really like that. Everyone's welcome to that. Children, I've had children, men, um, everyone's welcome to that community space. So yeah, that's it in a nutshell. It's really wonderful. Oh, and that's me, great. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Jyothi. I was just going to say that it sounds like you've got, you know, offerings for everybody in person, virtual, and really lots of opportunities for folks yeah. to connect. Yeah. But oh, please I just go wanted ahead. to touch on the, um, that ancestral part, you know, again, it's from my learnings and sacred leadership training that I learned that it's one, it's so important to be connected to where we come from. And there's this there's this um, term called Sankofa from Western Africa. And what it is, it's the Sankofa. It's a bird. The visual is a bird. And what she's doing is she's she's got all of her eggs and her babies in her in her feathers in her back. But she's looking back to see where she comes from so she can understand better where she's going. And so there's it's really important that we know where we come from, that we know our roots, that we are deeply connected to our lineage. And again, you know, through migration, through colonization, there's been this deep separation. Um, you know, my parents came to Canada in the, in the 1970s and assimilated very quickly um, to the quote unquote Canadian way. And, you know, we didn't speak the language at home. We didn't, you know, there's so much that, that we lose um, along the way, when we move, when we migrate, when we're displaced. Um, and so this idea of returning back home, in a sense, returning back to where we come from. So there's a process, there's a journey to do that. And how do we do that? You know, if we're not even, you know, thinking about it, how do we do something like that? So really thinking about where we come from. And interestingly enough, you don't have to know, you know, like, like my husband's adopted. So he doesn't necessarily know particularly who his his people are, but he knows where he comes from. So I always call on folks to to go to the region of where your your people are from. What did they do? What are some of the, the practices, the arts, the culture? Like what are some of the traditions? And and really connecting to even the the terroir, like the the soils what did they grow there? What kind of food, you know? Start connecting to the places where your ancestors are from. You don't have to know what they did, but you can connect. And then start opening that door. And I feel like when we open the door to that connection, the ancestors are like, finally, you've come, you know? And so they meet us somewhere. They meet us somewhere along that journey. And when you can meet with your ancestors, it's so powerful because you don't feel alone in your journey anymore. We come from thousands upon thousands of, of folks before us and it's and they didn't live and die for nothing. So this is a an honoring 
This is an honoring for, and, and also this idea of allowing space for their story, their healing, their voice, and their reclamation, because so many of them weren't, weren't afforded that space. In fact, they were persecuted or, you know, th- th- their voices were suppressed. They were, they were harmed and killed for their, their gifts and their wisdom. So I feel a responsibility as the daughter of the of my ancestors to continue to create space for their voice and their wisdom to come through. Yeah, and you know, I was wondering, you've mentioned some ideas, but how does someone tap into their ancestral wisdom then and incorporate this knowledge into their work or their daily life? How does that sort of mm-hmm. come to be? It's kind of like meeting someone for the first time. It's about patiently um, asking questions, being curious, learning, um, going back, you know, going back to those times, learning a little bit more about their movements, their ways. Uh, if you do know, you know, being curious and asking, I asked my parents, I asked my uncles and aunties so many questions and, and so many of the answers started to come and it, started to inform me of like, oh, now I understand why I do that. I get it. Like it started to put puzzle pieces together. So be curious, be curious, ask questions, do research and learn about where the areas you come from and connect back, have conversations. And, you know, the ancestral realm, like I meditate and ask the questions and talk to them, enter into conversation with them. You know, just like grandma, you know, great grandmothers, great grandfathers, you know, speak to them, write to them, create for them. Um, and the, those doors will open, the way will, will, will present itself, you know, as Rumi says, right? The way will present itself. You're, you find looking for the way, the way presents itself. So as you continue to connect, the, the journey unfolds for you. You will be. The ancestors will guide you. you and, and if you ever notice that pull, that interest, that calling towards certain things in life, it's perhaps your calling, but also their guidance, right? So um, yeah, the path will unfold. And I gather that, you know, practicing the meditation and self-reflection and sort of being at peace and in, in one's own solitude is also probably helpful in tapping into those ancestral. Yeah, and you know what's really important is that we listen. We get still and quiet enough and and slow down enough to listen because quite often what happens, and this has happened to me plenty of times, is I'll ask for guidance from the ancestors. I'll ask for guidance on a certain particular thing. And then I busy myself. And then I'm like, my plate is full of busyness. And... So making time for meditation and silence and quiet solitude is really important because the an- that's when the answers come. That's when the ancestors come. That's when the an- they show up. Um, and paying attention, that's another thing. Paying attention and noticing. There's so many synchronicities that start to happen that if we're not 
aware enough and and noticing and paying attention it can go it <laughs> it goes right by us and we, we've missed we've missed the message we've missed the wisdom so that's really important when we're doing ancestral work and spiritual work is that we get still enough we get quiet enough we give ourselves that time and space to 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 not only get clear on, on what it is we need and what we're asking for but to get clear enough to receive the answers, right? Because that's a big one. Receiving is a big one. The only way we can receive is we're, is, if, is if we're open and we're ready and we're willing. Um, and, and that readiness and that willingness and that openness comes with just slowing down and stopping for a moment. Mm -hmm. That really resonates. I think something I need to do is slow down and then that listening. You know, we're not always programmed in this Western world to slow down and listen. Everything is fast, fast, fast and reactive. So I think that really, really resonates with me. And I'm also thinking about, you know, you're a sacred healer, a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, a certified quantum healing practitioner. And I know for me, these were unfamiliar terms before, and I'm sure our listeners may be unfamiliar with these terms. Could you tell us a little bit more about what they mean and, and what those mm -hmm. practices entail? So... You know, a lot of our programming um, created sort of, so I, I liken it, let me just simplify it as much as possible. I liken it to this, the iceberg. So the tip of the iceberg is what we know, is our conscious thought, is what we, you know, our senses are, are activated. We see, we touch, we feel, we, we taste. It's the tip of the iceberg. Underneath that is our unconscious thoughts. So, you know, when we start to think of patterns of behavior, the ways in which we um, start to see certain things happening, like the self-talk, it's the programming, it's that early programming that we, um, that we received from our upbringing, from the ways we were raised, but also societal programming. So what we learned in schools, what we saw on television, what we're sort of what was expected of us, what we were conditioned to believe about ourselves, that all happens underneath the surface and is 90% of what's driving our behaviors, our thoughts and our behaviors. So when we can get to the root of um, why we do what we do, you know, none of us are perfect. So it's like a matter of looking at ourselves and saying, mm, yeah, I wonder why I think that way or I wonder why the self-talk, I'm so critical of myself, for example. Um, so I, what I do is I support folks to get down to some of those root causes, you know, where that comes from. We're not born to criticize ourselves. We're not born to, to put ourselves down or to be hard on ourselves or to distract ourselves from ourselves. We're not born that way. Something unconscious within us is driving that boat. So it's a matter of identifying what's why where that comes from, where some of those that programming comes from, the conditioning, starting to identify things allows us to unpack, allows us to say, oh, okay, connect the dots a little bit. And then we can say, okay, how do we want to do things differently? What is it that we do want for ourselves? We obviously don't want to be so self-critical that we're we're talking ourselves out of entering our lives fully in the fullness of who we are because we're sabotaging ourselves. We want to be able to disrupt the pattern. 
disrupt the thoughts, disrupt the patterns of behavior, and and enter into new patterns, new ways of thinking. And that all takes processing, right? So when we start to connect the dots to, say, our childhood and the way our parents raised us, for example, as one of the programmings, um, some of the pain that happened there, you know, our first 10 years are very formative years. They formulate our identity, our value, our place in the family, in the community, in the world, who we are, but also how we cope with adversity, how we relate to one another. Um, when we see our parents relating in a healthy, loving, um, a healthy and loving way, we are learning what that, what relationship building looks like. When we're, when we see that they're not relating in a healthy way, we are learning what relationship, what that looks like. We are learning that that's, that's the norm. That's the, the baseline, which we sort of um, move from. So going back there now saying that is not the way. Those are the attachment styles that we don't want we, to enter into. We want to enter into secure attachment styles. So I go into a lot of those kinds of terms, you know, what kind of attach, how do you attach to someone else and what, what has informed that attachment style? And it's quite often related to our family dynamics when we were growing up. And then a lot of that programming is reinforced when we see, um, you know, especially as, as women, when we see the ways in which women are represented, whether it's in media or theater or movies or magazines, you know, that objectification. And so that's further reinforces this idea that, you know, we are not valued, we are not represented, our skin color does, we don't see our skin color in the news, or, or we just don't, we just don't see um, healthy representation of ourselves. So that further reinforcement of, you know, I'm not, I'm not worthy, I'm not valued. So we start to really unpack and that takes time. That takes supportive unraveling, we call it, right? Unraveling, taking time to really support folks to, to, to make those connections and then to get clear, to, to heal, to enter into some healing practices and then to get real clear about, okay, what is it that you want and desire and deserve? What is, how do you want to do things differently moving forward? So really entering into some, building some new patterns, entering into building some new practices that support what we want for our lives. So, you know, that's a big explanation, but it really gets into the subconscious programming. And, it, and that's the neural, the brain, you know, we store it like a filing system. And it's all, we're always going back into that filing system and we don't even realize we're doing it sometimes, you know, that's why it's unconscious. So really bringing the unconscious to the conscious awareness and saying, okay, now that I know, I can do better. Now that I know better, I can do better. And then getting support in that. Absolutely. And so you've talked about sort of unlearning and, and also tapping into your uh, past and your ancestral ways mm -hmm. and your work is also based in trauma-informed decolonization mm. and so can you tell me a bit more about how the decolonization or decolonizing of the healing practice comes to be and what that looks like mm. so again it's part of the unraveling uh, you know and I'm I'm still in it as well it's this idea of um you know, discourse around, okay, is this really and truly who I am and what it is I want for my life? Or is it what 
has been conditioned, I've been conditioned to believe is the right way. And I think the, you know, the, the, the conquest or the conqueror's way is, is to take, is to this idea of like lack of reciprocity, to take, to um, appropriate, to co-opt and to, to dishonor um, has really, you know, pulled us far away from the truth of who we are, the truth of what we are capable of, right? So p- bringing back those pieces that were taken, right? So again, the reclamation, part, reclaiming our lineage, our practices, our ancient ways, our foods, our dress, our arts, our, like there's so many places that have been taken. And, you know, I was, I come from a missionized um, people, so I grew up Catholic. So for me, also, there's also this connection to my Hinduism before I w- my people were missionized and, and what those ways, taking some of those practices into consideration to, into my healing process. So really like breaking it down, you know, pre-colonial, going back to what, what are our people and our communities and our ancestors did pre-colonial and what a future could look like coming back to that space, you know? And I think that's, you know, giving less attention to um, the colonizer's way. And so when we talk about colonization, you know, it's really um, this idea of, it's, it's so hard to break it down. I don't, you know, I, I think it's just, I think we all know what that means. I, I think it's, it's really about us coming back home, coming back home and, and reclaiming. And yeah, there's a lot involved in it, but when it comes to wellness, it's really um, not staying too much in that, in that colonized space, reclaiming, reclaiming, coming back to what, who we were before all of that happened. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I just continue to repeat, but I, yeah, it's it's a loaded question. There's so many layers. That's the com. It's a common theme, right? That it's yeah. about unraveling. It's about coming back to our uh, true sense of self. And I think that that when I think about trauma informed decolonization, um, you know, decolonizing our healing practice, I think it's all related to going back to our ancestral ways of knowing and being. And what I'm hearing you say is like that's part and parcel of this whole practice of, you know, perhaps meditating, being with ourselves, getting to know ourselves, unlearning that neurolinguistic side mm. that you were talking about um, and creating new pathways. I think it's all connected. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's writing our own story, writing our story. Mm-hmm. Well, actually continuing our story from our ancestors continuing the story in ways where we are empowered in ways that we can take our power back mm-hmm. we can take our power mm-hmm. back we get to write the story and not put it in mm-hmm. the hands of someone who has taken 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 it's time rewrite your story i love that mm. now you've told us a bit about you know the way you work and uh, the offerings you have. But if folks are still wondering, you know, what does this look like in practice? Would you be able to walk us through what a client might experience in a one-on-one session? 
uh, with you, what that might look like and uh, go from mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So I have three ways of offerings. There's the one-on-one space. So individual, I know some folks prefer that. It feels a little bit more um, pointed, right? Like a little bit more, inte- like a little more intimate. So there's the one-on-one space. There's the her space, which is just for women. And then there's community. So group, classroom, community, like any sort of group space. So the one-on-one client would call me and we would have a 30-minute get. let's get to know each other. I really believe that we both have to be uh, comfortable. You know, it's not just about me um, bringing a client in. It's about the client investing in me, right? So and investing in themselves, but making sure that we are a good fit. So we would spend half an hour to an hour. I mean, I'm, you know, there's no set time, but it, half an hour to an hour of time to get to know each other and if this is going to be a good fit. And then from there, we would customize, you know, I usually do like like a, a, a six session over 12 weeks or three session over six weeks um, bi-weekly, right? So we, all, we meet bi-weekly. I think that's really important because... I like to give a week in between for integration. And what that means is, you know, we'll be talking about a lot. We'll be unpacking a lot. I'll be sharing some tools and strategies and practices. And so giving that space of a, of, of a week after that to just integrate and see what comes up. A lot comes up after the session, you know. So it's really important that uh, we give ourselves some time and space with what's come up. And um, we, we have a private chat. Uh, WhatsApp chat or a chat space where we can continue to stay in touch every week and 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 I can check in and see what's coming up um, throughout the week that we're not together. And we go through the process, you know, and I'll customize it based on what the client needs. Where do we want to go? Where? What is it that you desire the most right now? If it's healing, let's talk about a healing journey and what that journey would look like. If it's Finding your purpose. Let's talk about what that looks like in terms of um, journeying there. So I would custom, we would talk about it together and co-create the space. So that way we're both on the same page. And um, I do get all my clients to sign a contract. It's very important. I don't say contract, I say um, agreement. I I believe it's really important that, um, you know, the client is ready to do the work. So it's very important for me that they show up, they sign the, uh, the agreement and they do the work. You know, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. It's not always pretty. Like the healing process is downright messy. You got your highs and you got your lows. Um, but it's that readiness and that willingness to go there, you know, and know that they're being supported by me through it. So it's really important that there's that sort of accountability piece. Um, and yeah, we go from there and they can continue after, they can continue to, I have clients that continue to see me monthly after their after their six weeks or 12 weeks because it's just that little check-in every month to see how things are going, right? And it, I feel like it's that consistency that really helps knowing that, you know, someone went with me on a journey and I can, I can, I can check back with them to see what's coming up or if there's because we're you know we're always going to be tested there's always going to life is happening so we're going to meet people we're going to enter into into relationships and in circumstances that test us that push the buttons that may trigger us too so it's lovely to have that consistent you know check-in monthly as well so that's what a one-on-one client looks like and then the her space you can just 
drop-in if you want sessions. We also have a membership platform that um, allows for a monthly, like a yearly membership. So you pay monthly, but you get access to all of it, which is really beautiful. And it also gives you one-on-one -on -one time with me. So it's like a nice combination of that individual support plus the group sessions. And then um, the community, you know, uh, I, I work with some non-for-profit organizations and go into the school still, but you can, you know, bring me into your community, um, your community gatherings into your you know, into your groups, into some of your sessions, whatever you're doing, I would love to like open it up or do a meditation or hold some space, you know? So yeah, those are the three areas um, in which I work. That sounds wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. And so, you know, you've told me so many amazing things. You told me how you sort of started her space and Jyoti Creative Wellness, how you pivoted during the shutdowns and the pandemic and how you're slowly going back to hybrid models. Uh, and of course, with that hybrid model means that you can, uh, you know, reach folks globally, hopefully. Uh, where do you envision Jyoti Creative Wellness and her space going or growing uh, mm -hmm. over the next few years? Well, uh, what's your vision board, Jyoti? <laughs> <laughs> My vision board is so good. Well, I recently stepped into corporate wellness which was unexpected. I was actually called and invited in to a corporate wellness space at the start of the year, which I'm still doing. Um, and I'm working with sort of frontline nurses in Ottawa. And it's been such a beautiful experience. And I never, I guess for me, the corporate wellness space felt very uh dangerous for me. I, 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 for lack of a better term, it felt like, oh boy, like I don't know if, if like spirituality fits into that space. Um, but it's be I've beautifully transitioned into, into corporate wellness and it's something I want to do more of because what has happened within this contract that I'm doing is that the executive director has invested in her, in her staff in such a way where she's actually allowed for the creation of space for racialized folks space for women only, space for staff only without the leadership, and then space for leadership staff. So she's really allowed for that very specific, those specific conversations that address um, our unique journeys, you know, as, as racialized women or, or whatnot. So I really feel like there's a space for me in the corporate wellness world in where I can bring, I can circle up folks in, 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 in ways that honor their journey, their unique journey. So the corporate wellness space is something I'm really looking at and I'm, and I'm enjoying and want to expand in. Um, her space, I want to bring it, you know, national. Um, I have some wonderful women in the, on the West Coast that are part of her space that are very interested in opening up her space out there in Vancouver, Alberta. So um, looking at expanding her space across Canada. We have some women in the States that are part of her space. So, you know, just thinking about what that could look like, you know, creating pods of her space all over the, all over Canada and the States. Um, yeah, and just uh, continuing to become, continuing to enter into my own um, light and, you know, I'm, I'm, the healing process is ongoing. It never ends. It's continuous. It deepens. I have two teenagers. So they're, you know, just when I think I'm like, Ooh, I'm good. I'm, I'm coasting. I'm doing well. Like they'll throw, throw me a curveball, And it's like, 
you know, look at yourself, you know, a reflection, you know, give me a mirror, mom, got some work to do. So I, uh, I continue, I continue on my own personal journey of healing and becoming. So those are the three areas that I really want to um, focus on for 2022, just expansion and growth. It sounds really lovely. It sounds great. And I think, you know, as you said, folks have a need to create belonging, to have a sense of belonging. And I think uh, you with your approach and your community bring that, uh, especially for, you know, for me as a woman of color, that's what I've found. So I think that uh, that is a great way to grow. I think it's great too that the corporate sector is investing in mm-hmm. mental health and wellness, right? Because it is so important and often forsaken. So that is uh, really inspiring as well. Mm-hmm. And we definitely wish you luck on all the growth and expansion and give you lots and lots of blessings. Uh, before we end off, I wanted to ask you if there's anything that you wanted to share that you didn't get to. And also, how can folks find you and learn more about your work, Jyothi Creative Wellness and Her Space? Mm. I just want to thank you for this space, Shaliza. I think it's so beautiful that you have a platform that allows for us to to share, share who we are, share what we do, um, and, and bring in uh, different perspectives, you know? Um, so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this conversation and for this platform and for you. And um, how can you find me? You can find me at www.jothi.ca. That's J-O-T-H-I dot C-A. Everything you need to know about me is there. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at Jothi underscore creative and on Facebook, Jothi Creative Wellness. Um, and yeah, get in touch. I, I, I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's have a conversation. (laughs) That's amazing. And we'll put all that information in the show notes so people will have that there. It was really beautiful having a conversation with you. You always make me feel calm and make (laughs) me feel like ready to take on the world at the same time. So it's a a beautiful skill that you have and a talent that you have. And I'm really grateful that you uh, joined us today on the podcast. And uh, we hope that you are expanding and growing and we look forward to being a part of that. Beautiful. Thanks, Shalisa. Thank you for tuning in to Curated Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribe and listen to past episodes at www.curated-leadership.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about Curated Leadership, visit us on Instagram at Curated Leadership.